episodes of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Welcome to Queer State of Mind, y'all. It's another Saturday, and we got all the girls here, honey. We got your supposed to pop queen. We got your political queen, Miss Micah. We got your GQ, Mr. Jose. Also joining us is going to be Mr. Brad Bradley from the podcast Broadway Backbone and Mr. Jimmy Ramsey from AHF. So stay tuned. This is Queer State of Mind, live on Radio Free Brooklyn. New York City's home for LGBTQ news and talk, powered by the Queer Minded Radio Network. Join the conversation live on Twitter at QSOMNYC and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Queer State of Mind. And send us your news tips, announcements, and events to Queer State of Mind NYC at gmail.com. Hey, ladies. Hey. How hey. you doing today? Good morning. How's everyone? Say hi, everyone. Good morning. Hello. Uh, that's, morning. Hi. Hi. Hey. How's everybody doing? I'm blessed Great. and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. Starting Amen. to feel a little bit like spring. Exactly. Oh, my God. I know, y'all. That cold, that, uh, what's the, that Norwichter, <laughs> Norwichter, whatever <laughs> the fuck it's called. <laughs> Nor Christmas. Nor Christmas. That was not my life, bitch, you know. I woke up, I was like, hmm. No, don't like that. <laughs> you know, I don't like the code. I do not like the code. Yo, we have a jam-packed show today. Like, we have so much to talk about. We have three interviews. Um, and then we're going to even tell you more about what we're doing on Monday at the Footlight for our, uh, you know, event. So, but before we do that, I am going to play a little tune for you, our feature track of the day. I've chosen something that's actually kind of popular now. And it's kind of Broadway. But not for oh. the film. It's actually from The Greatest Showman, the song called This Is Me. Oh, I know Kayla. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's a good friend of mine. Oh, so this is one of Brad Bradley's friend. And let me tell you, that bitch renders. It gives you a little Broadway with a little tinge of Kirk Franklin on top of that. Um, and it's from the movie The Greatest Showman. So I hope you guys enjoy.
gonna drown them out. This is brave. This is bruised. This is who I'm meant to be. This is me. <laughs> Yes, mother. Them vocals. All right, for that little high G over there. That was Miss Kaylee Steele from The Greatest Showman doing um, This Is Me. You just told me what she was in. Can you run that oh, real yeah, quick with Brad? actually uh, Keala is how you Keala. Oh, I'm sorry. Ke- no, Keala Cedal. Um, Keala Cedal. They call her Kaylee Steele. Girl, see, how, oh, see how white folks be doing it? Mm-hmm. See how they be doing it? Just change the bitch's name, honey. Uh, she was most recently uh, in um, Waitress, and then before that she was uh, in Les Rob. And then she was nominated for a Tony for Hands on a Hard Body. Then she was uh, the first uh, person of color to play Trace, Trace Turnblatt in the first national tour of Hairspray. Um, and then she was uh, also in Priscilla. Oh, come, come on, resume. <laughs> <laughs> Which, though, she's a good friend of mine. She actually asked to do my podcast. And I was like, it's about the ensemble. You've never been in the ensemble. She's like, I was an ensemble, Priscilla. I was like, okay. Oh, well, all right. I'm we're going to get back more with Brad in a minute because she's interviewed some people, like real people, mm. like mm. people, mm-hmm. you know, not like Jimmy Ramsey. That's not a person, but <laughs> I'm playing. No, he's oh. wonderful. Well, let's start off, y'all. Some fuckery's going on. So, you know, the famous Negro, Mr. Benjamin Carson, mm. said that trans people in it's the home. Uncle Benjamin Carson. No, 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 no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that away from her. She's black as tar, girl. No, she's black. I'm going to call her Benjamin Carson. Um, said that trans people in homeless shelters make other people uncomfortable. Mm. Well, um, even does uncomfortable. He said not, not comfortable. comfortable. Make people not comfortable. That's very that's so, very key. <laughs> what, what the hell is she talking about? Does anybody want to elaborate on this? You know, you can get you, you two can start right there. Well, I mean, I also want to say too that like, I mean, I feel like the, like when this news came out, there also the news of Trump um, trying to institute again like the transgender ban in the military, like around right. this like within like okay. twenty four hour. Forty-hour period. Right. So I think this is a part of a larger concerted effort to try to disenfranchise transgender people. Um, but like, I mean, I just love that fact that like in his in ben, Benjamin Carson's like talking about, it, he said, you know, there's some people who don't feel who feel not comfortable, and it's like there's like no studies. Like he did not like cite anything whatsoever to support this. Girl, they're homeless. All. They just have to be laying down right. somewhere. Right. right. Jeez, it's not like he's uh, going to talk to these homeless people. Facts. I mean, he's, he's been trying to, like, furnish his dining room at his office. And support down. his wife's musical talents. Girl. Wait, are you serious? Oh. You've never heard no. her album? Oh, girl. <laughs> Next week. Okay. Get ready. Ooh, vocal master? <laughs> something. <laughs> something. Vocal something. Vocal something. What do you think, Jose? What do you think about that, honey? That mess. You know, as a trans woman yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't a Very trans true. woman, girl. She got an overgrown clitoris, honey. Yeah. Oh. Mm. I mean, at this point, I feel like his administration, Trump's administration, is just like grasping for straws on anything, and, and any sort of issue that they try to make a big deal out of. It's really, no one no one really takes Ben Carson seriously. No one even right. knows what his title 
He is exactly. the head of, of HUD. 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 But like, I don't think she does need it. Which is yeah. very <laughs> weird to me. That's, let, I mean, let's, 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 say like like the movie that Patricia Neal won an Oscar for? Oh, oh. What? HUD. <laughs> the same year that um, I think uh, Sydney Parkier won. Oh, girl. Mm-hmm. Well, look at you. You know something I don't know. All right, pop culture queen. Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. You were I saying. It's only HUD on exactly he's done so far when it comes to the families who use the HUD program because for him to say anything disparaging about anybody in a homeless shelter, yeah. it, it hits a little bit too close. Uh, it, it hits really closely to home for what he does, uh, you know, in his, uh, you know, for, for his day to day. You know, I, I just don't. I mean, those are the people who you would think would care. He, he would care about their opinion. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing about it is. He said, I remember when he was appointed, when I asked him about being, I think, certain general or something, he said he didn't have the qualifications for it. I was like, but wait, aren't you a brain surgeon? Like, aren't you in the medical field? So you have to for HUD? Like, you know, what, what, what the, I was baffled. You know, he said, did you try to run for president? Girl, come on now. Do <laughs> you think you're qualified? Uh, but he just, I think that, Unfortunately, I had a, a, a talk with a coworker of mine. He is the token administration, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I was okay with him just being a brain surgeon, and he can be crazy or whatever. But like, he knows he's a token. Does he know he's a token? Is what I'm thinking. Does he know? Because he, where he is in the administration, is not even his work. Right. I, mean, I don't even know if he really cares. Right. I mean, I remember like as a kid, like my mom gave me his biography, and she was like, "Read it," because like I wanted to be a neurosurgeon when I was a kid. Right. So like, yeah, little known fact. Um, and like, I like loved, I, I loved his story. Like I thought it was such a great story. So to see him turn to the, this, I'm like, well, damn, it always happens. It does. It, it's sad. I always call this a tree situation where there's one solid foundation and then there's the root. And then when it grows, it just people go different places. Mm-hmm. So like you kind of get a disconnect from where you've been sometimes. Sometimes people forget. I mean, do, do you, do you think that, do you think that in his mind, he may be saying, Hey, you know, in the history books, I'll be still seen as a black man in a presidential, uh, you know, circle. You know, I don't know the official name for it. And then younger black kids will simply see that and say, hey, I can do it, too. Not knowing, not really thinking about the fact that he may have, um, you know, uh, had very unpopular opinions, did not did very much. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe he's thinking about the long term, you know, that I'm going to be in history books. I'm going to be in something that's documented as me being a black man. In, in, in the White House. And- I can see that if social media didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So there's no way in hell people are not going to know who he is. Before, we've read stuff about, I found things about people. I admire, I was like, oh, girl, you were doing the most. But you know, just exactly. had a black man in the White House. Yeah, no, no. Right, right. But another, but another, yeah, yeah. one yeah. out of how many right. presidents, yeah. you know? African American, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, no. But also, I want to say too, like, I mean, I think you know, I think history. Like, I think you might end up, end up like the Bill, the Bill Cosby route, where people are like, "Oh, I remember you when you're earlier time," but like, you you tarnished your future image I can, so much. I can see that. I you can know? see that. I mean, like, that's crazy. Well, but enough about Belinda, honey. So, <laughs> on to other news. So, you, um, so the police officer who shot Justine Diamond. Um, is uh, being convicted of murder. You know, like third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. Yeah, so he's being convicted. And people are kind of like looking at it side eye as everyone should. Not that anyone's death is greater than anyone else's death, anything. But it's like the black cop who shot the blonde white woman is the first one that's kind of being charged with murder. 
and not manslaughter after all these other killings that have happened, not saying that this woman should have died because that's crazy. You know, that's crazy. But it's just kind of like, huh? Okay, so like, are you making an example of the police officer? You know, to just this, this I don't know. I don't know how how, how to feel about it because it's like I don't want you know I don't want to make it this whole political thing, but it is a political thing. It's a it's, it's a social political thing. No, you know? I I don't I don't know. Um, I, I this is news to me regarding the, the, the him being charged with this, but in the other cases, in, in several of the other cases, are not the other officers charged, but then kind of like you know acquitted or something? Yeah. Or they usually initially charge something, the media goes crazy or whatever, and then yeah. the real letdown is that the charges are either dropped or they actually make it to trial and they're acquitted or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or that, that, that always happens. The, the difference is this is murder, charged for murder. Those other cops were like involuntary manslaughter. Mm. They say it was different. This mm. is literally murder. They went straight to murder. Right. Even there, there yeah, but the instances where people have murdered people, if it, it's a second degree or not. But it's, yeah, it's third degree murder you know, and second degree manslaughter. Yeah, but it's never been, those other police officers have never been, it's never even been third degree murder. It's just been like maybe second degree manslaughter right. and this. So, and then they get away with it a lot of times. Yeah, because they lower tonight. the, uh, that's where it is. That's, yeah. that's the difference. And also, I mean, I think it's interesting like in comparison to like what just happened in Sacramento where a young man was in his back backyard and got shot 20 times by cops who, like who turn off the mics yeah they their mics when we're talking to each other yeah um and it's just i mean i think it's gonna be really interesting to see one how that turns out because there's also a march for that today um oh yeah tell yeah. us a little oh, bit about that you oh yeah i mean I, I, have a, I have a couple things in my mind um but also <laughs> like um just thinking about like if if this cop um does not get like does get convicted and not like you know like you know Pat Lynch doesn't say something like if it just kind of goes under the radar, I'm going to go straight up because I'm like, you basically defend these white cops when they do stuff. But now a black cop gets under the bus. You know, like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah, I think it's people are socially. um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, conditioned sometimes and they don't see that sometimes. Yeah. Well, this is funny. I, I mean, this is on the same uh, topic of racism and stuff and you know, going forward. There was an article, I did not put it in the thing, about this film critic from the National Review, I believe, who someone noticed that he hated every film that black people were in. Right. Really? Yes. Like someone just kind of like started to go through. I, every, I, don't, I don't know. Every if, time he reviewed a black, and like every, it doesn't, every time. Was this the guy who gave, like I'm just asking, is, mm. it, is it the guy who gave Get Out like the first bad review? Yeah. It's like every, okay. every he gave every film and someone was like, you have a pattern. With black people in film, because surely out of all the black films that have been made, yes, that's Vincent Charlie. You're not reviewing So Plain, which is trash, but <laughs> I get, that was my movie though. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just like, really, really? He's like, well, you should see what I said about a George Clooney film. I was like, no, you have a pattern. Like, you know, it's like embedded in you. I don't know if you see you have a pattern. And it's just, you know, that's the kind of thing. So someone published, speaking of that, not racist, um, top 10 phrases used by people who claim. They're not racist. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this up and see if you guys have ever um, heard some of these before. Okay, so how do we do? Let's go here. Let's see. Yeah, go ahead. Score that down, girl, so I can see what's going on here. Okay. Number 10. So, Number 10. Number 10. Why must everything be about race? Have you heard that before? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, when discussing something in America, if, that is, wait. Uh, if that's number ten, I can't wait to see what's number one because that's like something you hear all the fucking time. Why does everything about race? You know, 
I did a black guy slash girl before. Oh, 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 that's my favorite. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Well, sure. Um, I don't see color. But you should. You should. I mean, we're, <laughs> co- we're colorful people. Like, I mean, <laughs> like when you're driving down the street, do you not see green? Yeah. You not AKA, see I don't see color when it's inconvenient for me because I don't want to talk about race mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. You're the racist. You know, that's like, you know, respond right there. Okay, let's see. Oh, I love this one. I grew up around black people. You're like, okay, so did I. So what's your point? <laughs> what am I what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Give you you want a cookie? <laughs> uh let's see what else is here. Not all white people. Clearly it's a given that not all white people are racist, you know. So there's that. That's, that's number five, girl. This one here. I mean, what you're missing is like just the the best parts of the article are like like the the, the actual description the for each yeah, one. Yeah. So yeah. like for I grew up around black people. He says, according to them, growing up around black people, along with mandingo penis and black vagina, completes the holy trinity of racism <laughs> cures. It's just like <laughs> these kinds of things. There's so many that right. that you read in this thing that are just hysterical. I was reading this yesterday and literally laughing loud in my bed. My favorite. There's, what were you doing when you were reading this? Don't worry about that. Mind your business, you old frolic. Um, this um, go back, us. go back to Africa. Now I've heard that, and I was like, you know, in my case, I'm like, yes, this, I, that's where I'm from. So I need to go back. Home. That's a defense for them not being racist. Is saying go, go back, back to, to Africa. Africa. Yes, huh. number four. You know, oh, why must you always be the victim? It's like, well, because I am. I mean, it's interesting because when you walk in somewhere and something happens as a black man or people a person of color and people think that you're always playing the victim when literally you're just trying to be above that the whole time it's like no i don't walk in here looking for mess you know you bring your microaggressions to me and i like when i call it like that why are you playing the victim because you're bringing your microaggressions to me i don't walk here you know trying to be like you know when you you're come- playing the victim and you're not a white woman right yeah <laughs> my favorite i don't want to sound racist but that's, I, that's, that's number two by I the way we're at number college. two it's number two <laughs> it's not just number two right, one this is shady make america great again yes. uh, <laughs> that's shady you could have been a better one but that y'all look i don't met a lot of racist people what i figured out i just like to make racist people look stupid i just like to make them look stupid i, I don't even react anymore i like what do you mean by that well and have you ever had people come up to you as a person of color and just start to speak <laughs> that in an affected tone. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I feel like that happens more often than a shit. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I mean, I've, you know, I've been in a situation like, you know, you like, you just hang out, you like meet these people and you're just like, Oh, like you don't like, why, where, where is this coming from? Yeah. Right. What's up, bro? What's going on? You know, what's up, man? I'm like, um, right. first of all, I don't talk like that. Well, have y'all ever been in the store where the cashier has somebody white right in front of you and they speak very proper English yes. and they're very sweet and they're very professional. And then when you walk up right behind them, it's the polar opposite. Maybe nice, but the professionalism that it's thrown out the window right. simply because you're black and they're black. Yeah, I think that's a re- they're trying to relate to, to they're trying to relate to you. I was like, I'm from the suburb, and I don't, I don't talk like that, <laughs> you know. Right. Or when you go to like you know a trades home and they start playing like hip hop, and you're like, um, <laughs> ma'am, <laughs> I'm not gonna do this, girl. Girl, and then go to Mc, uh, McDonald's. Huh? Next online, you know that's my worst phrase ever. Let me just go on a tangent here real Ooh, quickly. What? 
There is not a line to be on. When people go next online at McDonald's, like, is there a line that's drawn on the floor <laughs> for people to stand on? It's in line. <laughs> or in the queue. In the queue. Well, okay. Well, let's get to our vocal masters. So I have chosen the vocal masters today because we had a lot of non-vocal masters. No shade, Jose. <laughs> Bite um, me, <laughs> and I need the people he, that he probably will. I need. A, I hope so, Jesus. I need the people. If I don't what, curse. Continue. I'm not playing with you today. <laughs> okay, go sit in your celibate corner. Um, <laughs> she is celibate. It's fine. I'm not even talking to her. Am um, I? Am I? Yes, you are, girl. You look like you got no dick, girl. Your, your swag will be different. I know that. Um, I've picked three different um, singers today, and it's a gospel. I've chosen uh, gospel inspirational singers. The first one is Tamela Mann um, singing. She is now the current queen of gospel, singing God's Revised, written by Kirk Franklin. Amazing. Second is Lucretia Campbell. And Brad, you're supposed to have to listen to this. She is a virtuoso. This shit doesn't make any sense. You're going to get ready. Doesn't make any sense. And it's live. And the last is uh, Sean Pace Ro- LaShawn Pace Rhodes. Love this song. Who is also singing it live. So. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, welcome to Queer State of Mind. God provides. So why do I worry about my life? When you come to my rescue a thousand times. Every other voice it is a lie. God provides, God provides In ways I can't explain and can't deny The little that I have, He multiplies Just when I feel He won't show up on time God provides, He'll come through when the clouds of doubt rain down on you And test everything you thought you knew Now you finally see what God can do For you So tonight Close your eyes, there's no more need to fight Watch God provide. God provide. It's hard to say when there's no food to eat. Or what you see feels all that life will be. And will this be another year of misery for me? God provide 
Listening to Queer State of Mind, New York City's home for queer people of color to gather and talk. Stay connected with all the tea and more. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash queer state of mind and follow us on Twitter at QSOMNYC. Yes, yo, that was, that was the little um vocal master of gospel singers. You know, three of my favorite, LaShawn Pace, sang the last song. I know I've been changed. Decretia Campbell, virtuoso, and Miss Tamala Mann. I just feel like I just went to church. Praise him, girl. <laughs> I've been to church. Do you, girl? I mean, She's even. Let okay. me. No, 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 no. Micah, we've been to church. Micah is very, very like. He, we are very like put together in church. Now we do snicker. Oh, down. Because you know, church people, there's always some shit that goes down that shouldn't be funny. Like, oh, I'm gonna have to laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, Especially when they dance. Oh, the praise dancers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, okay, so we went to church one time. There was a praise dance, and there was an older woman in there, and they're kicking. Literally, the bitch could not even lift her feet off the ground for the kicks, and she just—it was so hilarious, but terrible. Well, anyway, here's a little blurb here. Um, so the U.S. a uh, U.S. court ruled that um, ban on dreadlocks uh, during hiring uh, um, uh, as a discriminating against dreadlocks during hiring process is legal. Yes, like yeah. So if someone doesn't has a dreadlock, right, and you decide you don't want to hire them because they have dreadlocks, so yeah, like the eleventh U.S. Circuit um, Court of Appeals recently ruled against a lawsuit filed by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission against uh, Catastrophe Management Solutions, effectively ruling that refusing to hire someone because of their dreadlocks is legal. Like really, it's insane. Yeah, it's really odd considering that you know dreadlocks are like a racial characteristic, right? I mean, obviously, I know, and it's people, a fucking religion. religion. Yeah, right. It's Rasta, you know, yeah. it's a religion, and ugh, it's just it. it I, 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 it's gonna be interesting to see how far this goes up. I'm sure they're gonna kick this up to like a higher court because that makes absolutely no sense that you're right. allowed to discriminate based on dreadlocks. Now, as a man of pompadour from back in the day, Mister Ramsey, you know when you had your little mm-hmm. Jimmy Neutron, <laughs> 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 he did, honey. When I met him, honey, he had little hair. Honey, giving you oh yes, honey. Wow. She was she was giving you a, a 1960s trade, honey. You know, <laughs> that your grandma used to be in the backyard, honey, with her with her, her her loose stuff, go trying to hit on. That's what he was giving you. As someone who actually has had several different types of hairstyle, what, what the hell? What do you think about that? Well, I think um, I don't think it's fair. I was just thinking about if there was some sort of a an equivalent with uh, uh, someone of another race or generally someone with non-African hair. And I, I, I haven't really, I don't really, um, I can't think of anything. Right. You know, it's a, it's a unique situation. But what I was thinking about is when this type of thing will change. You know, we have social media. Yeah. We, we have 
um, a growing number of black judges and black lawyers and, and people who who know how these things work, um, who possibly, I'm sure, even know how um, more advanced uh, behind the scenes ways of getting laws changed and pushed. And I'm curious, I mean, even when it came to the uh, whenever we were talking about the um, the, the young man who was shot 20 times by cops mm-hmm. like, OK, Trayvon Martin came out. Um, that was kind of the first big splash of this sort of thing. But at what point will um, will it become public knowledge on how to how to change these things? You know, but, uh, not so much petitions, but I, I just don't hear like any any real uh, legal guidance right. from from black professionals who are in the scene. I mean, they, they may say we need to change the Congress. We need to change this uh, this uh, piece of uh, of the legal uh, you know, right. vote this way for the Senate, vote this way for the Congress. But on a lower level, all these black judges and black lawyers who know who could t- teach the community, okay, this is what we need to do so that we can not be discriminated against because ha- for having dreads. Right. So now, Jose, as the man with the best hair. In this Stop. studio, you come, come on. True, now. come true on. Now. No, that quaff is everything, everything. I've been bald since I was nineteen, honey. No, back in two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about that math. Um, but you know, and Mike used to have cornrows back in the day, girl. She did. And twist. we will post the picture on Facebook <laughs> so y'all can see. <laughs> so we'll put it on Facebook and Christian Mind so you can see. <laughs> so as a person with the best hair here, what do you think? I mean, it's completely bogus, and I don't think that, you know, it, it will be overruled at some point, whether if it's taken to the Supreme Court or the next week, you know, whatever court right. um, has to hear the case beyond it. It's just, it's something that's completely absurd. It's but it's it's not something that's, it, it's something that unfortunately, uh, you know, people of African-American descent and, you know, Afro-Cuban or Afro-Latin suffer, like this sort of conformity to be white. Um, right. to a degree to sort of you know um, th- this woman was basically saying how she when she went in for an interview at a law firm she went in with her hair natural they told her that it was unkept right. so it's it was one of those things where it's like wow so the way that my hair grows out of my head unkept. is unkept or unclean or I can't remember precisely what the words that were used but um, it's bogus it's stupid and um, you know well yeah as someone who is an avid lover of hair, of all um, kinds of hair. First and foremost, yeah, because um, it's good quaff, honey. Yeah, I I always like, you know, I always like seeing people who have, like, interesting hairstyles, whether it be dreadlocks or box braids or, you know, or completely shave it bald. It's, you know, it's your choice and your prerogative of how you wish to wear your hair. Well, Jose Salaloco, Fidel Sassoon, gorgeous. Yeah. Now, but you know what's really, go ahead. what's interesting is that in show business, you can get hired because of your hair all the time. You get hired mm-hmm. because of your weight. You can get not hired because of a zillion reasons. You're too fat. You're too tall. You're too dark. Your hair's too blonde. I mean, it's just, that's just norm. That's your business. You yeah. walk in and they're just like, nope. You know what I mean? And they completely judge you on something else. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, you're kind of used to that. You'll be like, you know, so it's. Absolutely. It's interesting that like, oh, you know, I, I mean, that's, it's horrible that they're putting these rules on, but anyone who's ever been to an audition knows straight away they're judging when you, you walk everything. in like i've walked into auditions where i've killed it i know you know every now and then when i my vocals are right it were right honey i was i was giving you everything i needed <laughs> but it's like you can tell that when you walk in they're not gonna hire you and like but they like you i did an audition once uh and i went in it was the one that 
this is fun. They wanted classical musical theater pieces. I said, oh, okay. So I went to sing Home and River. But I didn't, and they want a contemporary, you know, this new school shit. And <laughs> well, they didn't hire me because I sing too loudly. So I said, I'm sorry about that, you know. But still, it's like they saw me, you know. I was a little bit more zoftic at the time, you know. <laughs> don't do it, Mike. Don't do it. Don't do it. And so I get it. Well, speaking of Broadway, see how I changed the vowel there? See mm-hmm. the there? Um, so, Mr. Brad Bradley from Broadway's Backbone Podcast is joining us. So, Brad, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Brad Bradley. Um, I've been in about uh, seven Broadway shows and a bunch of off-Broadway shows. Name them all, please, because uh, the kids need to know who you are. Uh, most recently, I was in Billy Elliot. Uh, the, uh, I was in the original cast with Spamalot, Annie Get Your Gun, People in the Picture, Steel Pier, did a Christmas Carol, and then a show called uh, Thou Shalt Not. Girl, how old are you? Steel Pier? Girl. Oh, I know. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Steel Pier. Uh, and that was uh, being able to be in the room every day with... Uh, Kendra Neb and Susan Stroman and Scott Ellis uh, was unbelievable. So it was a magical. I mean, in that show, it was just me and Kristen Chenoweth made our Broadway debuts. Um, so it was. It was uh, and I was. I mean, I was. I was young. So just, just throw that out. Just there. throw that out there. There was the two great. of us. And I've. I've had a great, uh, incredible career uh, as someone in the ensemble or in the chorus. And I think as I've been getting older, working with a lot of young performers, they their dream is to be in the ensemble. But there's not a lot of education out there for it. Any type of uh, even radio shows or, or interviews are always about the stars. So mm-hmm. I created this podcast that um, is about the people in the ensemble, and which are uh, Broadway's backbone. And what's great is that oh, they I get it now. Yes, Broadway's backbone. Broadway's backbone are the, oh. the the kids in the uh, kids in the chorus, as they say. Yeah. And but each interview just it talks about like yes, it's great to make your Broadway debut and your Tony Awards and all that, but it also talks about uh, all the boys talk about getting bullied and getting beat up. Um, the girls talk about weight issues. Um, and I mean, one boy, uh, his name is Michael Cusimano, is still to this day the youngest uh, dancer to ever be in ABT. Talks about being, oh, yeah. Yeah, being beat up with uh, an umbrella. And I mean, all the straight boys talk about being called gay and queer their whole lives. And then now they're like, yep, and my, I hang out in a dressing room full of, full of gay men. And that's my life. Everyone talks about how their sexuality has, um, has been a huge part of their career because the second you put on uh, tights as a little boy, you're, I mean, you're, you're done for. You mean you're going to be bullied? And people don't not shy away from talking about that and talking about having to leave the South, uh, where they grew up because they were were gay, to go uh, have a Broadway career. And then I have some uh, have one lesbian that talks about. She's like, I'm the only lesbian performer on Broadway. She's like, backstage. She's like, I can find a bunch on the crew. But I mean, it's very interesting. Ooh, bitch, uh, I can't. <laughs> but so I cannot. Really, uh, everyone shady really facts, is girl. totally shady facts. <laughs> but then recently, I've even uh, I've done uh, two um, two podcasts on uh, racism in theater, and oh, it was yeah. been uh, it's great. I did it with Anne Harada and Alan Green, and I took it from because uh, unfortunately I'm many times uh, someone with white privilege, and there's just stuff I don't know, and so able to have a clear conversation of like why is it such a, a big deal to have a, a, a person of color in Carousel and why can't uh, someone from a white privilege play a black role? And, and they're, you know what I mean? And just hearing, being able to have an open dialogue. And for me, uh, as a white man, making mistakes, but have, trying to have that conversation. Right. Um, is, uh, it was really, it was, uh, it was such a good episode that I had to do uh, a part two that came from um, two men of color who are from behind the table. Right. Talking about, they do do their due diligence to try to um, expand it. 
but sometimes and so it was very uh, to get the pros and cons of it and it's uh my favorite thing about it is that people don't shy away from telling the truth on my podcast right uh because and they should yeah because i think they're not just it's not just talking about the the good the glory stuff i mean they're talking about you know i mean uh eating disorders and uh sexual harassments and um and it's uh you know i mean and it's it's for me it's exciting because there's a lot more there's a lot more to it than just kicking uh kicking to your face it's funny because um growing up in the other side of the coin um doing the operatic stuff Mm. um the casting uh, it was actually better for black people in the 60s to the 80s in opera believe it or not really yeah it's very it's very weird uh than it is now it was better for black this uh famous black um opera singer named shirley verrett she's um, passed she said i can't believe i'm saying this I i wish things would go back to the way they were (laughs) <laughs> she literally said that but I think sometimes especially with, when it comes to race and stuff and casting it should be about if the person can play the character unless it's something that is so racially specific I remember back in 1978 they did a production of, of Othello at the Met mm. uh, James McCracken is a famous Canadian tenor painted him uh, black not blackface painted him black as a character mm. Shirley Verrett, who is my color, painted completely white. Because Othello's black, and there's Demona's that's known for her milky white skin. So you got these two people of opposite race, completely painting like each other, singing. So the black woman is straight white, and the uh, white man is straight. But it was about the voices and what they brought to the character and right. expanding the mind in that sense. Which is something now on Broadway I've seen not as much of because it's like people are just really casting, oh, this person will be this, this person will be that, this person will be that. Like, no, you can trust your audience to, you know, expand their imagination. I mean, I want you to know what you think about that. Just like when I saw Carousel with Audra and Shirley and all these people, I they were just playing the characters of that time. I was like, oh, that's a black girl right there. Oh, that's a, you know, that's a white girl doing that. Do you think it's the time we live in that people are so racially sensitive to things that it has to be this? You know, well, I think they they are. I mean, they're trying to uh, I mean justify and fix a, fix a wrongdoing. You know what I mean? So I think that now they're saying when we do Evita, we need to have uh, someone who who is Hispanic. It doesn't matter. And right. There's a huge uh, issue when because you can't ask someone's race when they're auditioning. Um, so now what they're doing is they're uh, able. To, someone looks in. They and uh, I had a friend who's uh, actually Filipino, and they they wanted him for a Spanish role, but they couldn't ask him. So instead, they're like, "So do you speak Spanish?" You know what I mean? So they're trying right. to figure out a way because they don't want to get in trouble. Because uh, uh, someone who was um, from uh, Sicilian got cast to play uh, Ava Perone, and people went crazy. But you Why? know what? It's well, because stupid. because it's uh, we're in a time where it's 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 we're tired of you know putting um, yellow face if you're going to do flower drum song when there are plenty. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's, I get that. So that's what they're kind of stopping. So they're trying to um, you know I mean to eradicate a wrong, but at the same time. Uh, I think, you know, people with uh, white privilege are like, why are they taking away these roles for me? You know, I mean, it's uh, I mean, the soliloquy in Carousel is should not be sung by a by a black man. And you're like, really, why not? Right. Um, but I think it's because they, we feel uh, I'm speaking in general yeah, not uh, that we do feel that um, you're taking away roles from us when for years we've been taking roles away from uh, from, uh, yeah. from others. And so it's but it's also it's just figuring out. The right time, because at the same time, with an example like uh, Carousel, now you have Joshua Henry, 
yeah. is beating a white woman because that is the show. Yeah. So was that the right role? I mean, casting Audra in it, there isn't a controversy, but now there is a controversy because oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah, because because Karis was very dark. Yeah, it is very Billy dark. Bigelow is so, mass. Well, the, so he's uh, gonna be, be oh yeah because that's I mean he's a white beater, <laughs> and so now as a as an audience that's what they're seeing and they're in, in their head they're not gonna go on the imagination as much yeah. because they're not seeing it so it's like figuring out you know I mean when you have um uh, I think it's uh, uh, Rashad's daughter Condola. Uh, 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 yeah she, she's gonna be playing Saint Joan I don't that's that's wonderful, and it's not yeah. controversial, even though she's playing a white French woman. But she's not doing something that is going to be uh, radically inappropriate. Right. Where I think it. there could there could be that, you know. So it's right. and it's it is interesting because I think um, by uh, the I think by the people of color in theater asking for a bigger piece of the pie, which they deserve, right. does not mean that they're taking it away from from us. And these are like this is an example of uh, conversations that. Uh, I have, and you know, I mean, and, uh, I, uh, I think even when you talked about the the ten things that uh, that uh, yeah. non-racist people say, I think that there is something where someone who really believes and they're trying to be open-minded, yeah. they don't have the vocabulary yet yeah. to discuss how they're really not. They don't, they don't think they're racist, and maybe they're not. But to but. to say things like I, I don't, I don't see color. I think to a person. Uh, who is really trying to make a difference um, doesn't see how that's. I wrong. think that a lot of people don't. Uh, they they put racism and prejudice together. Mm. When specifically racism, it doesn't mean you're prejudiced. Racism is something that's embedded in the culture. You know, just racism and prejudice go together a lot of the times. But someone can say something that's racist. I, I can say racist things to, to people, but that doesn't mean I'm prejudiced. It's, it's just it's a it's systematic in that sense. You know. You know, what would you want to say something, Micah? Oh, yeah. I mean, just adding on to like the point about some people don't understand like what the language means. I think it's almost kind of like when someone says you're hot for a black guy. Like, oh. it's not, I mean, kind of the same idea where it's like people <laughs> don't realize that that can come off as an insult. Right. Um, and people, like, and it's just because like, like, oh, but you're hot. But it's like, you don't have to add that qualifier. And like, it's just like teaching people to understand like the nuance of language. Right. Well, this is, uh, this is going to sound totally ignorant. But um, when I saw um, Black Panther, I was so turned on. And then someone said to me, they're like, oh, Brad, you have jungle fever, and I was like, is that? A, are you allowed to say that? Like, oh my God, people still say that? See, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is that a, girl? Like, that wasn't like great movie. It was that, a great movie, but it was it was that is completely inappropriate to say unless it's in a joke and sense. It's completely inappropriate to say because, like I said, the qualifiers is like you're taking humanity away from people, and huh. you can hear more about this on the 26th at the Footlight when we have our panel. Chase yes. updated. Yes. yes, great. But let's get back to Brad real quickly. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. um, you have interviewed some guests, Hunty. I have. So you've had Susan Strowman. You had Miss Cheetah Rivera. Yes. Yeah. So, and Andy Blankenbuehler just recently. Who was your favorite guest, and who, without giving any names, you know, was the one you were looking at side eye? You can just, you can just be like, girl. You just give me little different hints, you know. Who was your favorite guest? Uh, well, my favorite guest would have to be uh, Susan Stroman because uh, uh, she legendary choreographer. She choreographs all the musicals on Broadway. Yeah. Just, you know, she is a legendary, legendary too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> one of her big claims to fame was the the producers and Contact. Yeah. And uh, I liked really talking to her because she was completely honest about um, herself and her career. And she gave me my Broadway debut, and I worked with her for uh, for about ten years straight. But 
we uh, we talked about the fact of um, uh, we I was working with her during nine eleven, and we were, she mm. was very honest about how uh, still having to get to rehearsal and trying to see art as healing um, was very important during that time. Then she also talked about how the death of her husband and wow. um, how she it was hard to get out of bed, but knowing that she had uh, artists depending on her. But then also talking about like she was the toast of the town for many years, and then all of a sudden the town turned on her. Yeah. And talking about that, all of a sudden, you know, what I mean it, she couldn't do anything right when she had done so much, and so she's she doesn't shy away from um, talking about um, stuff like that. I mean, she's literally, I think, the premier female choreographer of oh yeah Broadway yeah. because before that it was you know the uh, Michael Bennett's uh, the Fosse's. Yeah. like she actually has a style. I mean, that she's one of the she literally is the only female choreographer I can name off the top right. of my head for that's huge on the same level as the people who came before her. Yeah. And she talks know? about she was famous for a while for wearing a baseball hat with her. Yeah, yes, I remember her. And, she, and I always talked to her about that. And all of a sudden she was like, I did that so I looked masculine. She's like, I had to wow. hide my hair because I was in a room full of men and I needed to be taken seriously. She's like, uh, I wore uh, had to, I wore like a zip up jacket so that my breasts were covered and I baseball hat because I had to compete with the boys. She's like, it's wonderful now that the women who are taking over yeah. theater can come in and all tarted up. And she's like, and I embrace that. She's like, I couldn't do that. I had to come across as, you know what I mean? As an equal because they still saw uh, women as, as less than. Yeah. Well, we have a couple of minutes here. So why don't you tell us um, where they can download your podcast? Cause this is very, very fascinating. You know, I didn't understand what the backbone was. I've listened before, but I didn't know the backbone was about the ensemble, which makes me, very, very happy. I've known Brad for a few years now. Um, we work together in the office, and he is amazing. So, oh, amazing, 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 honey. Yes. Uh, I'm going to tell an embarrassing story about Brad here right quick, girl. Oh, oh. Go. Girl, <laughs> she did what I did one time, honey. She was walking out, girl, her douche fell out her purse on the <gasps> office floor. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, girl. <laughs> But you never know. Like, if I'm coming down the office, it's in Chelsea. You never, girl, you never. <laughs> and I live in Queens. Girl, so I you, have to be girl you, you are in our office. You you know where we work is, when, I'm not going to call them, where we work is very special. Well, tell them where they can download your podcast <laughs> and tell them everything they need to know, your handle, Instagram, Facebook, yes. and everything. Uh, well, it's uh, you can get it on iTunes, uh, or you can get it on SoundCloud, or www.broadwaysbackbone.com. Or also, I have my personal website is... Uh, bradbradleyofficial.com um, and it's also on Facebook um, and you can get it on all the little apps now it's a, it's actually a little blue um, picture with the actual backbone about it and everything is about the backbone even when I interviewed Cheetah Rivera and she talks about her relationship with the ensemble or Stephen Flaherty who did Once on this Island and Ragtime he talks about writing the music for the ensemble so even when I get uh, the people. Uh, these amazing people it's still, it's still a central lies on the ensemble, which I think is it's important because they're the people in the background that without them, when you pick up Bernadette Peters and put her on your shoulder, there's the people under her that are shaking, going, stop applauding. So this is celebrating them because um, a lot of people who are training to do this are training to do that. That's amazing. Brett, well, thank you for, you know, coming. Thank you for My making pleasure. me feel like I failed. Awesome. <laughs> I saw your show, you and Miss Robin Camille. I went and saw that show that yeah, you did at the I duplex. Know, I know. Not it the was, duplex, you're not on Broadway. Well, it was technically on Broadway in seven, but okay, so it was on Broadway. It was. It was, was I was. On, I was on Broadway. Yes. Literally on Broadway. Don't look at me like that, Duran. 
Yeah, nasty bitch. What I do? No. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Brad. You guys check out the podcast. My you know, pleasure. And in the second half, we have coming up. We're going to be speaking with Mr. Jimmy about everything that is going on with him and the Ace Healthcare Foundation. So stay tuned. State of Mind, live on Radio Free Brooklyn, New York City's home for LGBTQ news and talk, powered by the Queer Minded Radio Network. Join the conversation live on Twitter at QSOMNYC and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Queer State of Mind. And send us your news tips, announcements, and events to QueerStateOfMindNYC at gmail.com. Oh, welcome back. Oh, y'all, guess what today is? What day is it? Today is Hate Reetha's birthday, honey. No, it's not. It's tomorrow, girl. Uh, it's tomorrow. No. Tomorrow's Aretha's birthday, honey. The queen of soul, you know, mm. it's her B-day, honey. I am so happy. So for the throwback track this time, we're going to actually play a little Hate Reetha for you guys. So what are we going to listen to here? Did, did you find out yet? Oh, she's trying to figure out her, her electronics. We could either do think or respect. That's all I had on my laptop. Girl, that's something. too common. Really? You gotta go find something else. Will you come back to me? You Give me to... a second to log into Anna fucking Charlo. Spotify then. Girl. You oh. know what? In the meantime, while she does that, we actually gonna play one of the, the first throwback track. You know, while she looks here. Can I have the cord, girl? Oh, she's oh she's gonna log in very much that. Oh, okay. She's 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 ready to go. So Oh, Okay. I know we had to do a remix, right? Niggas is mad, I get more butt than ass trees. Fuck a fail. Couldn't fuck with one line. one line. It's been boy. three years since your last year. But 
that why I reappear your heart pumps fear to your gut. Did your girl's butt? I scraped it, shaped it. Now she won't strut. I smash teeth, fuck your beef, no relief. I step on stage, girls scream like I'm Keith. You won't be around next year. My rap's too severe, can't get bad flavor in your head. Time to burn to explore The flavor in your ear is the boy scout I make outs, I make all the rappers have doubts right. You're fucking right. with the wrong clan and the wrong man That's it, now you got to get your dome split I'm going into my knapsack with my jet Take off my hat, yes I'm just cool like that The dangerous, the ruggedness from the flappers abyss BLS 97, kiss bastard it. I'm gonna live long in this rap game Niggas know my name, yo You're jingling, baby. You're jingling, baby. Uh, bloatitious. Skeevy, delicious. Give me couscous, love me good. Damn, Hollis to Hollywood. But is he good? I guess like the jeans. Uh, flavor like praline. Sick daddy, I mean. Papa love it when he does it. Niggas buzz it. But tell me, was it really just the flavor that be clogging your ears? The most healthy behavior is to stay in the clear. It's all for you. It's really all for you. Punch back, close your eyes, try to munch that. Oil up your ankles, let your Tim's tap. Bite the flavor, it reacts to your ghost cats. Word to mama, I tongue kiss up a rana. Electrocuted barracuda, I'm here to bring the drama. Yo, 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 flavors in your ass grease. Watch the vibes about to bring the noise on the Flavor in your ear. In your ear. Now, Mr. Ron, okay, you done got too familiar for me. I ain't here uh, for what that. are you talking about? What did I do? I don't know. What did well, I do? Anyway, I do? I'm about to, uh, we have an interview here with a lovely lady. Miss Robin, are you there? Honey, I am here walking in the streets of New York. Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Hey, girl. Hey. That, that is Miss Robin Camille, y'all. And guess who's here, Miss Robin? Hi, Robin. It's Brad oh. Bradley. Hey, I like a <laughs> 
I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I love her on the show I, the same day. I know how fabulous is that. It's very fabulous. She's absolutely wonderful. Well, we have Miss Robin on the line because she is actually our advice diva here at Queer State of Mind. And she is also uh, going to be hosting with me uh, our panel at the Footlight, which is uh, on Monday from 7 to 9. It's called Shades of Dating. And we will be discussing issues that, as men of color, we face. And then yours truly, Mr. Carmo, Sadu Carmo, will be spinning some tunes, you know. I play that old school music. So if you come for the new shit, girl, don't, don't come over here, girl. Ain't going to be none of that mess, girl. We're going to be listening to some old school house, girl, you know, and all of that. Oh, yeah. right, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. So, Miss Robin, tell the people what's going on with you right now. Well, honey, I am actually walking here in New York City, honey, going to a Women's Empowerment Summit. I am actually one of the panelists, okay? And then, you know, this evening, I am hosting the um, fundraiser, the private fundraiser for the new LGBTQ um, credit union, Suburbia. So, you know, honey, I'm just hustling like a $2 hoe in Hunts Point. I'm just doing so many things. Not Hunts Point. And just trying to keep it all up and light and, and easy and positive. You know how it is, honey. Yes. This, um, it's glad that you mentioned uh, Suburbia because um, they're actually going to be um, – we're talking to them right now. They're going to be on our show sometime in April. So you guys will learn a lot more about this organization, which I'm happy, 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 happy to hear about. Yes, it's actually the first of its kind. It is the first um, one of its kind, the first LGBT um, credit union, the first one created. Oh, honey, I'm passing by some funky music. Hey! Um, (laughs) Yes, honey, so it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be fabulous. Um, And you're actually going to be uh, talking to uh, Miles, the founder of the the credit union. So, yes, honey, a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, I'm I'm also doing my one-woman show um, on April 6th. Second at Sid Gold's request room. So if Ooh. you folks are in the city, come on by and see Miss Robin. Okay. Girl, that's a Monday night. I definitely would be back. That's a Monday night. Right that's after a Monday night, yeah. Girl, it's up the street. What? I'm gonna be there, girl. Okay, and listen, you know what? I'm in such a good mood, honey. I tell you what, on the air today, give away two free tickets to the show. Okay, how about oh, that? Oh, okay. Yes, honey, you can. Yes. We're going to put a link up on our page, and you have. To, she is very, very fabulous, honey. She has a moth on her, girl. You can come and see her, like on the twenty seventh footlight. She is going to be hosting this very, very important panel for us, and she is going to be doing her show, like on April second. Now, Miss Robin, yes, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking so forward to this panel, honey, um, because, you know, there are some unique uh, relationship and dating issues that um, affect um, primarily men of color. Yes. So we're going to be digging and delving and maybe even crying and testifying, but we're going to have a good time. Yes. We're going to get to the bottom of all the shit so everybody can leave out there uplifted, positive, and ready to roll and get the love and joy that they receive. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 And I told all the girls, yes. say, I say, invite all your white friends who can make them feel uncomfortable. Oh, yes, honey. Well, Listen, yeah, we all recruit this, honey. Um, yeah, no, I'm just playing. Yes. But you know what the other thing, too? Yeah. If you are a white man who is um, is in a relationship with a, a man of color, you need to show up, too, to understand yeah. who and what you're dealing with. Okay? So yes. we are all inclusive, honey. Yeah, we all don't want you to have to take too many Xanax. You know, just come see Miss Robin. She'll help you work it through. <laughs> 
not work it through. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, she is the advice diva. Now she is going to be giving. She we're also going to have a question to answer um, during the, the panel. Now, not look here. It's only going to be about an hour and fifteen minutes long because I wanted to kiss the dance. You know, after we talk about these heavy, th- heavy things. And she is yes, going to be available in the. Um, she's going to be there all night. So please talk to her. Um, she is going to have her show information. She is someone you want to see. Um, you know, she's going to be, she's, 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 she's the deal. Well, Miss Robin, thank you for calling in and chatting with us here. And once again, tell the people about your show and tell the people about yes, the organization, honey. about the um, fundraiser tonight so they know, you know, right yes, before we go. Yes, honey, the fundraiser tonight is going to be a club coming, which is at 505 East 6th Street in the East Village. Um, come, you know, you can go online, get tickets for the event at Eventbrite. Um, of course, you're going to see me Monday with uh, all of the boys um, talking advice and helping you lift your spirits up and everything. And my one-woman show is April 2nd at Sid Gold's Request Room. And again, call and go to the website, Hunt Queer State of Mind yes. website, so you can get yourself a couple of free tickets and come see Miss Robin, okay? Wonderful, honey, Miss Robin. We will see you on Monday, girl. Have a good one. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yes, yeah, that was wonderful, y'all. That was wonderful. Now, back to business. Back to business. You know, all right. So what are we talking about here, girls? Let's just pull this up. Now, coming up right now, we have one of my favorite people. Might or might not have stalked him a couple of times. Oh. Did. Um, because, he, first of all, he's fine. Second of all, he's fine. Third of all, he's fine. He's very, very, very smart. He's a Pisces like me, so which means she got a little tinge of crazy in her, which I appreciate. <laughs> a dash. A dash. A, da- a dash of crazy, a dash of rage, honey, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as long as that rage is used when you pound some cookies, I'm all right with that. So we have Mr. Jimmy Ramsden for AHF. So Jimmy, tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization you represent. Well, I'm originally Again. from, uh, of course, gladly. I'm originally from Southeast Texas. I uh, then moved to San Diego where I joined uh, AHF. I worked uh, as the pharmacy specialist there for seven years. And then I became the pharmacy specialist for Manhattan about a year and a half ago. So AHF stands for AIDS Healthcare Foundation. It is the world's largest HIV nonprofit. Currently, as an organization, we are taking care of over 850,000 people globally. Uh, the revenue, uh, the, the way that we're able to take care of so many people is primarily because of our pharmacy revenue. We have 46 pharmacies across the country where 96 cents of every dollar goes directly into patient care. Uh, so this is how we're able to take care of our clients uh, locally and globally. We can take care of any one of our pharmacies, but um, the proceeds go, obviously, to uh, HIV-positive individuals. And funny enough, I actually, we've talked about this before because Jimmy's been on our show a few times. I think it's very important. I like to have him here every few months just to remind people of where they can go, what they can do. Um, they are doing very, very great work. Very, very great work. I mean, oftentimes when I go to events uh, thrown by organizations, they will have a truck outside to test people, mm. you know, no matter who you are. And, you know, just to make sure everybody knows what's going on within the body and what it can do to get help and all of that. So where's your pharmacy located? We actually have several pharmacies. Yeah. We have a pharmacy in Chelsea. We have one in Astoria, Queens, Jamaica, Queens. We have one in Long Island. Uh, and we have one in downtown Brooklyn. 
So uh, those are just uh, five of the 46 we have. Uh, wow. We can uh, actually also deliver anywhere in the country for free with a signature. Right. You know what I just realized is that my doctor, Dr. Chavez, mm. just became AHS. Ah. And I'm about to go to Utah for six months. And AHF is, uh, because that's my doctor, is mailing me all of my prescriptions every Look month at for free. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Chavez is kind of like the, uh, my, my neighboring, my sister healthcare center. Right. So my office in my healthcare center, Dr. Ricky Sue's office, is two blocks away from Dr. Chavez's office. And here's the thing that's great about AHF. I have, um, we've done a couple of things with them. And I've watched Jimmy. I'm not just tooting my horn because I'm trying to marry this man, y'all. Look, Jose. I'm saying I'm going to marry you too. You're going to be the first husband. Hey. How many people are you marrying? Don't worry about what she, the she, does, she doesn't even know. She is African. Jose's yes. taken. Right. Don't worry about who I pass it towards, okay? <laughs> Don't worry about my business. What is happening is I've seen Jimmy take phone calls in the middle of not working, just like in his private time, you know, sitting there having a drink, just to make sure people get what they need. They are very, very attentive. Very, very attentive. You guys have to, absolutely have to visit AHF website. You know, where's the, what, what, what's the website called? The website is um, AIDSHealth.org. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate you saying that as far as um, my, my attempts to go above and beyond for clients. I just realized there's so much that, um, that individuals don't know. Uh, yeah. did, did, did y'all know that the state of New York will pay for an HIV negative person's um, PrEP? PrEP visits, um, uh, prescription, uh, I'm sorry, their medical visits, if they meet certain guidelines, the state of New York will pay um, for the lab costs and the doctor's visits. Well, yeah, well, I know that because it's how I get my pills, honey, my pregnancy medicine, I call it, honey. Oh, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something most people don't know. Actually, I went to have, uh, tell you guys, I went to have a, a test done, you know, I was going to my pregnancy test, get a, you know, cleaning my fabuloso, you know, make sure everything is over here and, you know, make sure the house, honey, is, 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 is in down. Order. Yeah, in order. And the doctor was like, oh, do you, are you on prep? I said, no, you know, and me being the nasty bitch, I, not that nasty anymore, I graduated, me being the nasty bitch I am, you know, there's nastier bitches in here, but I'm not going, I'm just going to look at them. I'm not going. <laughs> 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 she knows who she is. <laughs> what? What? what are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> We've been on Fire Island together. I've seen it all. Oh, Lord. Continue your story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, the doctor's like, Are you on prep? I said, No. He said, Well, you know, if you, you know, sign up for this and you do this, we, we can actually get you on prep. So, it's very important when you go to get tested or for anything, you know, HIV, um, gonorrhea, syphilis. And, and don't, you, don't you dare, bitch. Don't you dare. No. Um, that you ask, you know, hey, is this something I can get on? How do I get into Can I get a discount to do this? Um, and is you taking a pill once a day to prevent HIV um, spreading around? I mean, just, you know, protect yourself. And all that. And AHF is one of the biggest organizations they're pretty much everywhere yeah everywhere you turn i got on prep four years ago and it was from i met someone out wow, of Fire four Island years ago and he convinced me to get on prep and then when i walked in to change my address to utah the kid who i met in far island now works in at ahf mm. uh free look, right in look in at god Dr. again and, like, and then i walked in i was like wait a minute i'm on prep because of you and and now he runs uh runs that pharmacy yes yeah. yes Farid is uh is Farid Coldry is the 
pharmacist in charge for the Chelsea location. He was the oh. pharmacist in charge for a few years uh, at Brooklyn, and he's fantastic. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited to have him uh, on my team uh, and me a part of his team. We work very, very closely together. I mean, girl, you should be when you got this phone out your purse in the office, girl. You got, <laughs> you got, you got ticket. Don't be, don't feel bad. Girl, my fell out on a train. Oh, oh, I'll tell well, the story again. Is the only one that's no, 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 no. I was on a train on the M train on my way home, right before my last stop. I had a little tote bag on. It fell out of the bag and rolled in the center of the train, the pack train, and people were literally moving away as it rolled. Yes, and mother, I walked up and I got it and I walked out the door with my head held high. Mm. <laughs> Why? Because well it, at least I don't have dirty coochie. So, <laughs> got to look at the positive part. I mean, so but far. it rolled around on the train. <laughs> girl, right. so. And my question for you, every time you tell the story, why was it full of water? <laughs> well, because I was. Uh, I but was, you can fill it up wherever you're going, <laughs> you can fill it up there. <laughs> no! Do you know how nasty it would look if I just like empty bottle of douche fell out? At least it's full. It, well, it wouldn't have fallen out because there ain't no water in it. I know. But look at it this way. If it's falling out, it just looked like I just bought it. You see? But it wasn't in the box, was it? <laughs> it wasn't in the box. I got one in my purse right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I try. I, you, hey, girl. You, don't worry about it. Don't, you know what? I shouldn't have brought that up. But, Brad, but, you know. I, I'm just going to say one little thing. You're not supposed like. You know, it's not good for your body to douche on the regular. No, I don't douche on the regular. I just okay, keep going out there. Well, I, okay. Anal health aside. You get hemorrhoids. Is that oh. how you get hemorrhoids? I just have Girl. <laughs> Me too. I know it was on last week's episode. I was supposed to be here and I wanted to hear it. I saw that. I was like. Shitty queen. So everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of last week's episode. Shitty, Shitty queen. queen. <laughs> uh, our co-host ass is currently destroyed and, and out of order, honey. Uh, for another three to four weeks. Girl, bless her, girl. Mine's fine. Truth is, she's tired. She is tired. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Okay, so Jimmy, we need your opinion on a couple of things. We have here a couple of topics. So first of all, the HIV outbreak in Milwaukee, considered the largest SDI cluster in the U.S. history, and what it says, at least 125 people, including some high school students, have tested positive for HIV, syphilis, and both in a growing cluster of sexuality, sexually transmitted infection affecting in Milwaukee. This is an epidemic people are not talking about enough, and it leads to people talking, taking unnecessary risk. What do you think about that? Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm, wondering, what the, um, I'm wondering what the demographics are. I'm wondering what the established uh, prevention efforts are. Um, um, you know, a, 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 one of the things that I've noticed here in New York is that, for instance... Um, uh, 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 whether it's prep or whether it's testing, um, a, a lot of times in the underserved areas um, of cities, this uh, message is not nearly as strong as it is in the more centralized areas or the more, um, um, uh, I want to say, affluent type areas that that um, that exist. And as a result, like I mentioned, a lot of people still today within New York. I'm definitely across the country, but um, a lot of people who you think would know about um, about prep, for instance, don't know about it. They haven't been educated on it, and so you see a difference between um, those uh, communities who have been educated on it and who hasn't. Um, undetectable, being undetectable—that's that's something that a lot of people don't understand the significance and importance of it. So, importance of it. So, I'm I'm curious to know about the the, the social and the racial demographics of what's happening in New York. Um, there's obviously a piece missing. Hopefully, um, I'm sure that um, that I will be um, that that AHF will will uh, uh, 
there'll be discussion at very least about what we can do uh, regarding this situation. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. I think um, definitely the social aspect, the demographic as far as the class level is very, very important because I find that a lot of times things like this happen to people who are of quote unquote lower class in America who don't have the options of being educated, who still think, you know, it's just gay people who get HIV. You know, something else, um, like like you, you just told me about this, but I'm interested to know if this has anything to do with the opioid ep- epidemic, um, with needle sharing. Oh. Um, that's another massive way that people can um, come contact with not only HIV, but hepatitis C. Yeah. Um, and those demographics of people are different than the stereotypical demographics of HIV positive people. Right. You know, these are the, the IV drug using crowd um, is, is not the same. Um, so that the risks are different and the messaging is uh, has to be a bit different either. But knowledge is power either way. Right. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I think I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Oh, 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 I mean, I think also like another point to like make a note of, too, is that I think especially when it comes to HIV and stigma that, you know, I think a lot of people kind of got stuck with like education in 1992. Yes. And they just never bother to really educate themselves further. One, because maybe schools are, you know, don't have the funding to like really teach like proper sexual ed and like right. the change in our culture. And like, you know, people like not want to have like their kids learn about sex ed. But, um, I mean, I think a big part of it, too, is just, like, getting people to understand. Like, yeah. I mean, because even, like, there's also a generational drift, too. Cause, I mean, I remember I've spoken to people, like, in their 40s and stuff who, um, like, like, like the idea of being undetectable, like, still, like, the date someone's undetectable still scares them. You know, like, oh, it petrifies me because I was a kid at 12 years old. I saw rock cuts and dying. Like, I, so when I came out of the closet, like, when I knew I was a little gay boy, AIDS, gay, death, done. Yeah. And it's like, and it's when, when, when you see that you. as a, preteen and you're witnessing it you know what i mean and watching the people die you just it's hard and that's yeah. what people don't the hard part to understand is the fact that i'm you know with him here some i'm not there anymore but seeing that i watch you watch people literally died from aids right so when someone goes oh no it's okay you go like well bitch is it right you know? well i mean it's, so, it's, i mean yeah. you know it's, it's something that's been so ingrained in us for, yeah. since we were like little that right. like this is what that is so it's kind of hard to untrain yourself but i too. think that go ahead well what's happening yeah. What's happening is you have that generation of individuals who mm. who had their hairdressers die or had their, yeah. you know, they were in theater and they were straight and they had a husband at home and kids, but a lot of their, their colleagues passed away yeah. um, or dance or whatever. Then you have the people who were gay and had their best friends die and go yeah. to funerals every week, literally. My boss go to support like groups yeah. and everybody in the support group has a trash can next to them because they're throwing up from the medication that they have to take. Yeah. Their watches go off at the same time in the support group and they take their medicine at the same time and it's this camaraderie building thing. So, you know, you, you, you have the nurses who, who, who help the people die, yeah. the hospice nurses. You have the whole generation of that and... Some of them, of course, you know, some are positive, some are straight allies, some are, um, um, you know, uh, negative. But now you have a new generation of people who every HIV positive person they know or almost is undetectable. Yeah. Every HIV positive person, every undetectable person they know looks kind of hot or has a nice body or looks healthy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. And, okay, well, before I go there, you have PrEP. On top of that, yeah. so you have HIV positive person who's undetectable, looks great. You know, be afraid of of being uh, of being di- be afraid of contracting HIV. But if you get it, it's not going to be the end of the world. And then you have prep, which is, hey, I'm negative. I have this pill, 
And now there's a, you know, 95, 96% chance of, of protection, even if the condom breaks, even if I don't have, you know, this type of thing. So what's happening, I'm saying, is you have a new generation of people who yeah. are losing fear of becoming I think that's positive. great. And speaking of pill, actually, let me hit this before we go to our next music break. Um, so the FDA approved a new HIV treatment drug for people with limited options. I don't know if you know about this. You might know. A uh, new HIV treatment drug called uh, Trugazro. Trugazro. What's that? Trugazro. That's, that's, I think so. Oh, Is that the brand name? Yeah. Receive yeah. approval on Tuesday from the FDA. We said, uh, we said that. And Tuesday was like for, a few weeks ago, uh, by the way. Patients with limited treatment options. Mm. So I don't know much about this. I got to research more. Do you know anything about that? Not that, that in particular, but limited treatment options usually means that they have built up resistance. Okay. So, you know, over the course of time, generally based on my experience, someone who has adherence problems taking the medication the way they're supposed to take yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't take the medication the way you're supposed to take it, um, it allows the HIV to mutate and become resistant to that medication. Not only that medication, but the whole class of medications that, that medication is in. Yeah. And so if, if that keeps happening, you whittle your options down more and more and more until you, you can only take one or two different medications. Gotcha. One of them being one called Fusion, which is an injection that an individual will have to take in their stomach uh, multiple times a day. It leads mm. welts and, and it's really wow. unpleasant. So this sounds like an alternative to that. It doesn't sound like an injection. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it'll be able to help. I've learned so much today. Well, before we go, Jimmy, uh, tell people about where they can find AHF. <clears throat> Um, just all the information you can about HF. Absolutely. So um, my office is in Midtown, uh, three three two seven. Uh, I'm sorry, three five two Seventh Avenue uh, in, in in Midtown. Uh, I have uh, it's the office of Dr. Ricky Sue. Then we have Dr. Chavez's office in Ooh. Midtown, uh, in Chelsea. We have a uh, Dr. Restrepo's office in Columbus Circle. We have Dr. Stein in Brooklyn. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Restrepo's also in Jamaica Queens. Uh, if you have any questions at all regarding AIDS Healthcare Foundation, please reach out to me. My number is 619-717-1174. And again, my name is Jimmy Ramsey. By the way, do not text any pictures of my man. Just so you know, you're nasty ass bitches out there. Speaking of nasty bitches, good here. Jose, what do we have on deck <laughs> for our break music? Um, I just decided to make it, uh, again, like nostalgically 90s. So we have Nia Cherry's Buffalo Stance, Soul to Souls, Back to Life, and us three, uh, Cantaloupe Fantasia. So um, I mean, the order's a little messed up. But you know, so you want the Buffalo Stance um, first? Whatever you want to do it. Okay. Uh, it's, so, yeah, do it go. however you want to do it. All right, y'all. Listen to Queer State of Mind. We'll be right back with you.
groove as I stick and move. Vivid poems recited on top of the groove. Smooth, mind, floating like a butterfly, never set afloat. Sung like a lullaby, brace yourself as the beat hits ya. Dip, trip, get fantasia.
and give me a beat. Ouch! Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce the hi-hat. Go on. Mmm, that's good. Now the tambourine, right now.
Make sure to take Queer Minded with you wherever you go. Subscribe to our feed at radioqueerminded.com slash QSOM. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and other popular podcast networks. Just search for Radio Queer Minded. Now, let's get back in a queer state of mind. Yes, God, hunty. Yes, yes, yes. That was cute. That reminds me of my youth. Aww. Back in the day. You know. You have a good memory. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if that was shade or not. You lucky you that find was, that was very. Shady. I ain't worried. I, I asked if it was shade, not girl. I took the shade. <laughs> I did. He lucky he find though. You can you can spring type of shade, you know, as a girl, you know, mm-hmm. maybe in thirty four and all, you know. Mm-hmm. Happy yeah. birthday, by the way. Thank you, thank you very much. You can be quiet right now, okay? <laughs> only a month late. No, only, only a month late. <laughs> um, so Micah, you have yes. something very very important. You and Jose actually. Uh, that's happening right now. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what's going on right now? Yeah, so um, happening right this moment is the March for Our Lives, um, happening all over the country. Actually, I think all over the world. I mean, the biggest one's obviously in D.C. You know, all the Parkland students are gathering together. Um, I think Here in New York, I think it's in the Upper West Side oh, or yeah. Columbus Circle. Yeah, I mean, it's really big. I mean, it, you know, I, it's funny. Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of torn as a person of color. Um because one, I think it's really great that's happening, um, but it's just, it's really sad that one, like, there's only, like, one Latinx young female, like, everyone else, like, the face of this whole thing is, is like, a bunch of white kids, right? Um, even though I discovered recently, there's an article about it, that Parkland is 25% black, and they don't talk about this at all. Oh, yeah, when I saw the, uh, when the, when the shooting first happened, when I interviewed the, the kids, it was a bunch of, the school was very diverse. Yeah. I saw a bunch of different types of people yeah, there. But like, yeah, but like when they, when like for this face of this campaign, it's all white kids. And it's just, it's just really kind of infuriating. And also like um, this morning before I came to the show, um, AM Joy was, like, AM Joy, like Joy Reed was doing her segment as part of the show. And um, like she was talking to like these like black activists talking like Al Sharpton and some other people. And like there's like this kind of like this, um, like some people, like some of the activists are like, you know, like it's kind of like bittersweet. They're like they're very happy it's happening, but they're like, we've been talking about this since forever and we've been protesting like Trayvon Martin all these like you know all these things happening and it takes a bunch of white kids that the face the, for the white kids to be the face of it for you guys to really take it seriously so. I know it sucks mm-hmm. it sucks but we live in America right I mean and, and even Al Sharpton even brought up he was like you know like during the civil rights movement like he was like hey black folks were doing it but it wasn't until white people started getting killed like going down to like register voters that like people like America started caring so it's just like it's, oh, it's kind of a right. whatever it takes at, at this moment I hate to say it, you know, it's like, you know, whatever it takes, but at least they're pointing out that that is a right. issue. But, but but there's a difference between, there's a difference between someone going into a school and shooting up a bunch of other people or yeah. a church or whatever and cops shooting, shooting an unarmed, unarmed black, black man. Person, yeah. Black man, yeah. you know, or, or a, a, a black woman or a black man dying in a jail cell soon after they're they're taken into custody for yeah. whatever medical reasons those are two different things right right mm. right well we're gonna leave that alone right now we're gonna talk about some pop culture shit Ooh. and with your supposed pop culture queen alleged alleged <laughs> alleged i like that word it's not my favorite words <laughs> one of my favorite words girl um, you're promoted pop culture queen she, she is oh, congratulations promoted. and hopefully her her her, her hairs to hairs are a little bit makes sense sometimes because some of these head to heads, I'd be like, "Girl, really, you gonna put her against her?" But okay, I mean, <laughs> now you know she they got always, no head. <laughs> they always, um, they always make sense. Do they? I mean, no, they really do. They okay. really do. You know what? Well, in news, I'm gonna just put this little quick piece of shade out here before we get to um drag race. You know, Fifth Harmony. 
just oh hide. yeah, I forgot to put it. Oh put my that god, in I there. About that. you I did not that. need to. I, I know. I, I thought about it early week. I was like, they're gonna shave. Now I did not know that the Fifth Harmony followers were called the Harmonizers. Yeah, girl. That's Everybody hilarious. has a fan army name. I know that, but I don't. Why would you name your fan army? Uh, the Sometimes har- they name themselves, though. So. Why would they name themselves the harmonizers for a group that does not harmonize and sing in unison? <laughs> they, they're they young, girl. That's, they're and, young. I don't care. We have to teach the youth. I believe the children have to teach them well and let them lead the motherfucking way. That is... <laughs> it's stupid. Was uh, Fifth Harmony? I mean, I'm I'm out of the loop when it comes to. Nah, don't worry about it. Even that big? Uh, no. That's my girl. I, I Thank saw, you. I saw this on Facebook, <laughs> and I was. I mean, I they like, were big because they had a fan army. Like there's like a lot of these young pop you know artists what have is? like these these big social media these followings. These are the girls like, that uh, album go uh, 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 aluminum. And people are like, oh my God, they're so famous. <laughs> triple plexiglass, get it right. Tri- tri- triple, triple plexiglass. The thing about it is that, that they're, they're, they're the only American girl group that is somewhat mainstream as of right now. Right now. So right. that's why they, they're, they're considered big, even for what, hmm. you know, would oh, typically that's, that's be. Sad. Yeah, yeah. Only other girl group out there slaying is Little Mix, and they're from the UK. They haven't. And I feel like it's unjust that they haven't really made like a big impact here in the let's, U.S. Let's say this right now. We're going to get our terms on a girl group that who is doing all right. We're not going to use the word slay no more when girls don't slay. I'm, just, I'm taking that. I'm taking that back. You did not slay. What about escape? Oh, oh girl, you old. We're you, not know going back. you know what? You know what? They're making a comeback, right? No, didn't Candy shows. leave? Candy uh, left. She left on it. It's just three. Then I just escaped. Yeah, it's a three. She escaped. It's yeah. just escaped well, now. I think she's doing okay on Broadway. I yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. show. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, also, I mean, um, if we're talking about girl groups, I mean, worldwide, I mean, the K. Sorry, I, I love Korean pop, but the K-pop girl groups are like, you know, they're like hitting Billboard charts and stuff. So I mean, they're doing really yeah. well, like twice. Oh, really I, I would not want to be in a K-pop group. Did one of them break up recently? Um, a couple of them did. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, they have a seven-year curse. They have a seven-year curse. Right, but you know, like everyone like loves to talk about BTS. B- BTS and oh, then EXO. Yeah, no. oh my God. There BTS, are there yes. are too many people in that. Why are there a hundred people in the group? Like no, like AK forty eight super groups, girl. Super groups. AK forty eight has one hundred sixty members. It's stupid. <laughs> some like, of them stupid yeah. because you know why you fucking with my check. Right. I like. Yeah. I'm not gonna split my check nine ways. What water are you doing? Down, yeah. Down. yeah, twice has nine members. Oh. Um, XL has nine members. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, BTS only has seven, so that's, that's a little bit better. I know, right? Girl Generation Close has to five. Girl Generation used to have eight. Now they have seven. Well, they're and, still around. They're like they were on high. Yeah, they're still right? Yeah, they were still kind of around for a little I bit. Jose, yeah. he's like right. I have no idea what. Don't, any don't, of y'all don't we, can do, we can do a K-pop vocal let me, master. Let me, well, quote unquote vocal uh, master. A K-pop music, not vocal master. Ain't no vocals over there. It's also really easy to to to. Unless these kids have certain uh, guidance in yeah. their personal life, in this generation with Instagram likes and followers, and 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 you know the currency may be a little bit different for them, or it may be much more easily e- easy for them to be misled. Right? You know, go ahead and water your check down twelve ways, but look, you got a million followers on Facebook. That's true. Look That's true. You, you and know? you get a promo code. No, it's definitely millions. <laughs> so like the millions. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I'm not going to talk about that, Duran. I'll tell you why I'm not going to talk about that. You're going to be mad at me. We had a little move tip about Love, Simon. I ain't going to talk about no more white coming-of-age story. Well, I am done. So I actually, It really isn't just simple. It's not really about Love, Simon. It's really about, like, this, this guy who wrote the story who said that 
it helped him come out to I'm, his parents. I'm, I'm actually gonna. I'm, 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 since I have my movie pass and uh-huh. I refuse to pay full price for it, I will go see her and yeah. we can talk about it. It was week. a cute. Like I said, it was a cute film. Then I saw it. And I I thought it was really good. Okay, I'll go see it this week then. Really I'm just good. being. I'm being. I'm, 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 true. Uh, true story. I'm just being purchased right Girl, now. I used to write. I used to write for. If it's a, if it's a white comma of age gay story, I'm not gonna watch it. Right. No, I used no to write shame. for no, queer voices, and I literally wrote a piece about like how when I was like in the process of coming out, I was watching all these LGBTQ okay. movies um, on Netflix, and all of them had like it, like it literally had a formula to it, obviously, and they yeah. all were white. And I, you know, like I highlighted like a few, like the few girl, like you, representations you think, of people you, of color. You, you and, think that's bad, girl? Wait, when you grow up in the nineties, that shit you got to you had to grab onto whatever the fuck. I you did had to grab onto. Yeah, yeah, girl, I'm a, I'm a nineties bit. Well, I'm a, no, I was born in eighty nine. But did you know, not grow up in the nineties. You're born in eighty nine. I was a nineties. Kid. <laughs> you were a 90s child. <laughs> That's a difference. You were a child look, in 90s. Look it up. In 95, bitch, you was not doing what I was running around doing. I know. Facts. Thank God you were not. Because if you, you were, know, girl, you should call somebody and tell That's them about that. That's kind of a thing. I recently saw a, a meme on that where, like, somebody born in 89 or 90 says, like, I'm a 90s baby. It's no, like, you're no, not. No, you're 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 not. You're not. You know what? Fuck all of y'all. Okay? You're, you're, you're I ox, am. Baby. I'm you're, a 90s kid. Yeah, you're an ox kid. Girl, you were literally five when I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> running around you want you want me to claim the odds i'm not claiming that shit i'm not claiming a shanti <laughs> sucks for you that's what you got right that's what you, got. What you were, what you were born. <laughs> <laughs> all Sorry. right girl. drag race y'all Ooh, drag race. let me tell you something about drag race once again me being prejudiced girl i the queens give me life all these queens give they were me, shady, well, not all actually. they were very shady but i did i, I would sound so mean i did not like then young twinkie white queens not because they're white oh, because they, Claire? Because they, no i like her she paints no, a good face she, she, she paints she paint a good face yeah 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 but the black queens they have on the show this season are so black queens in the fun way i watched a little clip of them on youtube just with each other mm-hmm. and they were literally reading each other just getting ready for the show and it was so tongue and she's so funny like Monet Exchange was like, girl, Asia, you came out there with a Tony Braxton dress, girl. And the girl's like, you put on some fish paint, bitch. I was looking like a bitch. Who's this man in this dress? This Tony Braxton. It was just mm. the joy that they, I love the fact they have actual black queens on there, like yeah. who are just witty, fun. No, they're men in dresses. They're not young girls trying to be like, I'm fishy. I'm trying to, I'm wearing, this is Mugler. It's like, no, girl. Right. This is, I'm going to wear drag. I'm going to push shit together. That's going to look good. Uh, this is not this is McQueen. Like no 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 yeah no. no. no I mean I think you that's know? like uh, kind of the funny thing. Like but when you juxtapose it against the other girls, like I mean I feel like the black queens are like you know we are drag queens and we're not here just to give looks. Like we're here to make coin yeah. and like do what we got to do. Uh, and then H O'Hara, um, Monet Exchange, um, what's Vixen, Vixen, Monique Hart, Mayhem, Miller. Mayhem, Mayhem Miller. It's just it's there's a art of drag they're doing where it's they're doing the art form. And I feel like the younger queens, and I hate to say the younger white queens, are very much like fashion. We want to look like we're wearing this, mm-hmm. and then because this is our aesthetic, and I'm, that's great. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I I want to see a queen who made comes in with a velvet gown, girl face beat for the gods. It's just like, come on now. And there's what, a difference, but uh, racially between the where the young black queens how they are. And the no, young there's young ones? there's young white black queens that do fashion too, but. The white queens mostly are very much younger white queens, you say, 
Mm-hmm. I'm very much into the aesthetic of fashion within the mainstream. I I like, right. Yeah. And that's because they first have no talent. Just, first, it's just drag. And so how that's are the younger black queens? How do they how do They, they do? actually have that aesthetic with them. But funny enough, like everything black people do, you have to still know. How to dance. You still have to know how to paint your face <laughs> and be in the essence of still how to do drag. You have, you don't have the privilege of just saying, oh, I'm going Mugler. Right. Right. You, you, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you I don't have that. You privilege. don't have the privilege of just being pretty. Right. Right. You yeah. have to, you have to do more. You have to give yourself that at, uh, and thing. So it's, but it's good. The first episode was great. The first episode was great. I mean, I was a little concerned with the, about the New York City Queens, but like they, I mean, they were good. I mean, well, the black queens were good. The queen who went home, spoiler alert, uh, I love, uh, it was a banjee queen. Yeah. I saw she was, she was a banjee queen for a uh, Latin uh, queen from um, Florida. Very, very good. But let me tell you the funniest shit I heard. I don't know if people got this. So there's a muscle queen on there. Uh, her name is Cameron Michaels. Yep. Now she looking like a man, mm-hmm. and but you know these sometimes these these white queens think they're fish girl. They, they put on that light uh, um, beat when she's a girl. You're a man to dress. Put on all the makeup. You are still a man to dress. And when she walked in, <laughs> one of the black queens is just in the background. Someone goes, "Murray, that's a man," <laughs> and I died. <laughs> Because she came in the sundress, arm out, a little Farrah Foster wig. They're like, Murray, that's a man. <laughs> that, yeah. It's like you are two men as they walk around here. You are not a woman. Like, you are not a woman. Like, you cannot, unless you look strictly female, mm-hmm. you're a man in the dress. Right. Like, unless you're Courtney Act, you can't pull that shit right. off. <laughs> and I always tell people the reason why drag queens wear a lot of stones and all that stuff is because they know they're men in dresses. You know, that's what I, I'm gathering from this season. There's a lot of people who know they're men in dresses. The camp nature of it, you know, versus like, oh, I'm this, I'm that. I'm trying to really give you a woman. I like you can. You're not a woman. It's fine. There's nothing right. wrong with that. You know, but what did you think, Teron? Who was your favorite? Girl, I haven't learned the names yet. I haven't learned. The, I, I am kind of um, sad to see. I think Banji is what I'm Yeah, calling, yeah. I'm calling her. She was name. very fun. She was like. <sighs> yeah, I was like, I really wanted to see her She said, when you see, when you see RuPaul, it's like the Loch Ness Monster. You never. It was, <laughs> yeah. she was fun. I like, this bitch is funny. I she is, yeah. Funny. She, she was, she's fucking But hilarious. that drag was crunchy. It was. I was like, when she walked out, I was like, ooh, even I know as a new fan of, of drag race and just drag in general, yeah. um, that you, you're, it's, this outfit has no shape. That It has no shape. And then maybe if it had shape, she would have pulled it off a lot better because I think they almost liked it, but obviously it didn't and show up. And the new shape. thing that pissed me off. These young queens don't wear no hip pads. They're running around. Mm, that was annoying. I don't know what the hell. They're like, oh, I don't wear hip pads. I was like, but you gotta wear titties and hip hats. I know women have small chests, but you you gotta wear titties and right. hip hats. There was a lot of just boy like boy chest. Uh, the first episode that was really it bothered me so much. I was oh. like y'all y'all like doesn't no. Aja do that a lot too? She doesn't. She no, never she wears, wears she wears titties and hip hats now. But she, yeah. like, when, she, when she first came out, she wasn't. And I was yeah. be like, can you stop that, please? No, no. Do you think that Aquarius she doesn't do it? Nope, yeah. that annoys me too. And that's why she's late. Oh. I'm not going for Go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead, Jimmy, right quick. Well, no, I was just, just curious. Do you think that there is, um, now that uh, uh, trans individuals are, are being more on the social forefront when it comes to media and rights and things like that, has that affected shows like RuPaul's Drag Race? Um, yeah, but the trans queens have been doing sh- uh, drag for a very, very long time, too, also. so. Well, I mean, as far as the, the type of contestants on the show, the, the like you said, the the hip pads and the, you know, the, 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 Way at one point it was, hey, you know, enjoy the fact or relish in the fact that you're a man in the dress, and then, and then on the other side, there's something different, a bit more, um, um, 
uh, not so distinct. You know what I'm saying? Right. I well, mean, yeah, I get that. I mean, I think the lack of like the lack of pads is is also kind of a sign of laziness, right. personally. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. it comes from a it's place lazy. of like trying to like be equalizer. Equalizer. I think it's just like. They just don't know what they're doing. Yeah, because yeah. well, they, they paint their face. And that's it. All right. Well, happy birthday, hate break that we did not get to you because we know we don't have much time. Next week. Next week, girl, we're gonna play uh, your birthday song. Do you guys got all said bye, girl? Bye. bye. Thank you for coming to the show. We love you all. Goodbye.